Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Carrier. Turn to the experts. And I know after Imelda, a lot of people did get water in their homes, got water in cars, and all kinds of issues like that. If you have questions on what to do with it, by all means, feel free to pick up the phone and give me a call, and we can talk about that as well. I will tell you up front, the first thing you want to do if you got water in the home, though, is start getting it dried out. Pictures, pictures, pictures. Document, 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 document. Everything that you have to do, everything that got wet, and then you can start taking it out. Uh, you don't want to leave that wet material in there to start mildewing and causing all kinds of issues. Your sheetrock. A lot of times people make the mistake just because they got a couple inches into the home, they go all the way up to the four-foot mark to cut the sheetrock off. You do not have to go that high. If you get up to where the insulation behind is dry, you've gone high enough in order to do the repairs back. So those are just two notes that I will give you. Make sure you document it, though. That's the big thing. Dale, this is Jim. How can I help you today? Uh, yes, I thought you were going someplace else. We are replacing a back door uh, and onto the patio. A single door, a uh, large pane of glass, and then a self-installed uh, set of blinds on top of it. Somewhere along the line, it started leaking at the bottom. And it looks as if there's been a lot of leaking. The baseboards have been damaged, probably soaked up a great deal onto the uh, sheetrock, and all that has to be replaced. Uh, is it necessary to buy the door and the frame to go with it? Is it okay just to buy another door? Can I pull up that uh, trim itself and just replace that and resolve the problem? You can, but what you'll find is it's much easier to buy it as a unit, uh, to take the whole door frame and everything out uh, and tip it back in as a whole unit. The and typically it's going to tip from the inside out. It'll typically have the inside trim on it. And you put, is it brick siding or, or is it wood siding? Brick. Okay, yeah. And so you end up adding the uh, the brick trim on the outside, which that's more than likely where the leak is. So, yes, to answer your question, you can take that wood trim off. Take a look at what's going on because chances are it's not the door itself that's leaking. It's leaking around the door frame. Around the frame itself? Yeah. From the outside next to the brick? Yep. And then leaking all the way down the side until it gets to the bottom? It hits the bottom, and that's where it runs in. Now, one of the other places where they will sometimes leak is uh, the threshold across the bottom where the door and the threshold meet. Um, yes. And if the door itself is in good shape, if that's where it's leaking... You a lot of times can just put a uh, a weather stripping for the base of the door, and and solve that. But the unfortunate thing is, this is a metal door, isn't it? Uh, no, this is a fiberglass. But we were thinking about going to a metal door to replace it. Yeah, when when you when you go into the box stores or any of those places and you start looking at them, you'll have a much better selection of doors that the frame is on than you do with the frame off. And it's a pain to line up the hinges and uh, cut for the for setting the hinges into the door if you get just the door itself. You'll find it much easier to just buy everything as a unit. 
is a uh, metal door uh, as good as or better than a fiberglass or wood or iron? Uh, you know, I typically put in the metal doors myself as well. Uh, the fiberglass doors are great. Uh, wood doors, too much maintenance. So okay. I, I would st I would stick with either the metal or fiberglass. And it really depends on the look you're going to go for. If you want the look, uh, you know, if you're just going to paint the door, the metal doors are the way to go. If you want something that has kind of the look of wood, then you can go with the fiberglass doors because they can be somewhat stained to look like a wood door. Big box versus uh, builder supply. Uh, over on uh, Belknap as well as uh, Seconds and Surplus over in Dallas. Is one any better than another? Truthfully, no. Not not for just the door itself. Now, when you start looking at some of the other uh, items, yes, uh, sometimes the Second and Surplus places carry a little bit lower grade, but when it comes to like the doors like that, if you can find it at the Seconds and Surplus place, get it. Okay. That is one, what I needed One to know. cautionary note, though. Check your pricing before you buy it there. Uh, what I have found in the past when I do go and look at, at stuff there, I sometimes end up paying more at seconds and surplus than I do if I just go to the regular stores and get it. I wondered about that. I had been told once before that uh, both builder supplies, seconds and surplus, sometimes will have a better price, and sometimes you'll pay a whole lot more for it than either at Home Depot or Lowe's. Yes, so it, it really depends on the item you're buying. So you're gonna, you always want to double check the pricing. Okay. Any other words of caution? You gonna do it yourself? Uh, no, uh, we've just about decided, and then listening to you, going to uh, have someone else do it. Then I would talk with whoever you're gonna have put it in, because they may have a certain brand that they prefer to, to install and will warrant the installation for you. What would be a good cost factor to consider, not only for the door and the frame to go with it, but the labor to install? Well, the cost of the door and frame, it, it all depends on what you want to get. I mean, you can spend anything from, you know, 150 bucks on up to $5,000 for a door. Uh, that just depends on the door you want to buy. Installation, um, you know, taking out the old one, putting in the new one. If there's no rotten wood they got to deal with and stuff, you're typically looking at a couple hundred bucks. Uh, there does appear to be some uh, water damage on either side of the door, and it does appear to have gone up, oh, I don't know, 18 inches or so uh, into the uh, into the wall. Yeah, uh, but that doesn't mean that the wood in there is rotted yet. As long as that uh, wood hasn't true. rotted, you, you, it doesn't have to be replaced. Okay. Thank you. I do appreciate it. Dale, you take care, and good luck with that door. I'm going to try. Stay out of trouble now. Oh, well, now why'd you have to throw that in there? <laughs> Sorry about that. It ruins your day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> take care. Let's head to Garland. And Chuck, welcome to WBAP. How can I help you? Thanks, Jim. Enjoy your show. Thank you. Uh, I, about like four or five years ago, we replaced the air conditioning system in this house, okay? The inside part where the furnace is, there's like a, I guess you'd call it a heat exchanger right. in there. Every summer, about one time 
I'll notice a puddle of water in the garage, which is right on the other side of a wall from this from the furnace unit. The heat exchanger just freezes up, coats solid with ice. Yep. What causes that? Something isn't right. You're either low on Uh-oh. coolant or the fan speed's not set properly. Something isn't right, and what happens is uh, the moisture that coil that's in there takes the humidity out of the air as it's circulating air through it, and it's supposed to drain down into a drain pan and, and drain out. And right. if the air or the coolant isn't flowing properly, uh, those coils start freezing up, and then you get no air circulation at all. And until you shut the unit down, let that melt, uh, you won't have airflow. But right. it's typically something that's t- usually very simple to to have adjusted. Well, all right, good answer. I got uh, the guys that put it in are coming out here pretty soon for the fall tune-up thing, and I'll mention that to them. Oh yeah, that's that should be a minor tune-up form. Okay, very good. Thank you, man. You bet. Take care. Yeah, and. You know, like I said, it, it's one of those things, it takes place, typically coolant has gone down, and, you know, you would think when the coolant levels go down, or, you know, get below where they should be, that the system just plain wouldn't cool at all, but before it gets that low, it ices up. And if this has happened multiple times, you know, multiple years, it doesn't sound like you have a leak, it just sounds like... When they put it in a couple years ago, they didn't get enough coolant in it to begin with. The next thing is, would a two-stage AC system provide a benefit over a one-stage system? Absolutely. Here's the benefits that they provide. You're going to find that it's going to run longer, but at a lower power level. And by moving air more continuous that way it's going to lower the humidity levels better in the home, which makes it more comfortable, which means it doesn't have to work as hard to cool the home, which lowers your energy bill. And on top of everything else, it so the first thing is it's going to make it more energy efficient. But on top of everything else, it is just so much quieter because it's not running at full capacity all the time. And when they when you look at the SEER rating, The SEER ratings are based on that unit running at full capacity all the time. And so you put in a 16 or an 18 SEER unit that's a two-stage unit. It's figured that it's running full capacity when it's calculating out that 16 or 18 or whatever you happen to buy. However, because it runs a lot of times at that lower capacity, you may be operating on a 20 SEER rating. Anyways, it does. It just makes it much more economical to run. Hi, my hot water heater is four to five years old, but am now noticing that the copper pipe that comes from the hot water heater closet in the garage and to the patio is steadily dripping. It has never done this before. Should I be concerned? Should I call a plumber? Thanks so much. Love your show, Lori. Lori, you need to call a plumber. Because what that copper pipe is, it's the pop-off valve is not holding the pressure of the water heater. Now, there can be a few things that can be causing this issue. 
One could be just that the pop-off valve is, is weak and needs to be replaced. The other is that the water heater is pressuring up too much, building too much hot water, where it's building pressure inside, and that's the relief valve to make sure that a water heater doesn't blow up. Years ago, before they put those relief valves on them, if a water heater started overheating and pressuring up, it simply exploded. We don't have those issues anymore because of those pop-off valves, but when you start seeing water dripping out of those pipes, that means the pop-off valves releasing pressure. So, yes, you need to get a plumber out there because that's going to do nothing but get worse, and we don't want to take any chances that it does something that could cause harm to somebody. Uh, and understand if that valve pops open all the way, wherever that copper pipe is, you're going to have hot water spewing out of it. And if somebody's in the vicinity, they could get scalded at that point as well. Hi, Jim. For a 1946 home, I need to hire a general contractor to remodel a kitchen, bath, and replace copper and galvanized plumbing to PEX plumbing, and then replace kitchen tile. When working with general contractors, is it best to reveal the amount of my overall budget, or is it best to keep my budget amount a secret from the general contractor and pay per job? I feel like if I reveal my overall budget amount, the contractors might charge more based on the amount of money I have spent or have to spend. Thank you. I listen every weekend. Well, Colleen, I've always been under the impression I don't really work well off of budgets. Sometimes that bites me in the butt, but I don't do well with it. Uh, and what I would typically do is look at what I want to do, run the numbers, find out what it's going to cost, and build my budget from that. So in dealing with contractors, I know a lot of them would love to have, well, how much do you want to spend on this? And they'll work it backwards and say, okay, here's everything I can do for that dollar amount. But where I would recommend you start is just the opposite. Here's the things I want to do. What will it cost me? Then you can look at what you have money-wise to do it and start backing off the things that you don't necessarily have to have. And I know that's just the opposite of what a lot of contractors want to hear, but I don't necessarily uh, want to have con a, a contractor who's strictly working for what budget I have. And, and I say that in the, you know, you, you, you're, you're looking at remodeling the kitchen. You're looking at pecs. You're looking at countertops. You're looking at cabinets, all these different things. Okay, so you don't have enough to do everything at once. So now where do you start? Well, I'd start with doing the pecs plumbing first because that's behind the walls. Then I would probably go with rebuilding the kitchen, put my cabinets in, my countertops, and start working it until I get things finished that way because you work it from the inside out and just do it as you have the funds. Your budget is based on what you want to get done. So I hope that helps you out, and I know I kind of rambled on about that a little bit, but for me, I would get my wish list first and then see what I can do with the budget I have. Albert, welcome to WBAP. Thank you, Jim. I'm a fan. I listen to you often. Thank you. Um, my I've got a house that was built in the 80s. It's a duplex. It's about 
1,200 square foot, and I've got several projects I've been putting off, and they I think it's getting time that they all get taken care of, and I was wondering the best way to go about it. Well, you, you got to look at your projects as far as what one would I have to go through the other projects in order to do. In other words, uh, if you're going to put new plumbing in the house, you know, replace the old plumbing lines, for instance, you would want to do that before painting and everything because they may have to cut through some of the sheetrock in places in order to do that. So what kind of projects do you need to get done? Um, the house needs to be leveled. Uh, it sounds kind of similar to Steve. I was told that it's not pier and beam. It's actually block and base. Okay. And it's got a bunch of cinder blocks or whatnot propping Very it up. Very common. Yep. And then I need um, a new roof, like not just the shingles, but the supports also because it's okay. sagging in places. And um didn't know if maybe since I'm getting it done, go ahead and put a, a steel roof up. Okay. And then farther down, need new um, porches or decks on the front and back and a fence and then painting. And I kind of thought that that was about the order that I was going to need to go in. Uh, the roof that you have on right now, is it leaking? It does leak. Okay. And so the first thing I would look at is how far out of level the foundation is. Because if it's only an inch or two out of level, I'd get my roof replaced first because it's leaking. But if you're, say, two, three, five, six inches, get the foundation fixed first, then put the roof on. Because you don't want to do the found foundation after the roof and have the roof crinkle up on you. Um, so one of those two items, and it, it's really just going to depend on how far out of level the foundation is. Uh, then get the roof done. Like a couple of inches out of out of whack, so I think that the foundations. Oh yeah, you're probably of... you're probably quite a bit out. So foundation should be first. Uh, these porches and decks. What's on? It, does the roof of the house extend over where you're wanting to do this porch and decks? Yes. Okay. So you want to make sure that the porch and deck is in good shape, and then do the roof to protect everything all at once, so that you're not having to uh, match stuff in. Okay. And uh, that would be, so for me, I would start with the foundation repair, do my porches and decks, and then the roof. Do you think that I would be saving any money by hiring one contractor to take care of all of this, or am I better off going kind of piecemeal? Cost-wise, you're typically better off to go piecemeal and hire your own contractors. However, for continuity of the job, then a GC is better. Okay. And if you had the ballpark, and I know it's hard to do with limited information, how much money do you think I'm going to end up spending by the time I'm done with all that? How big a house is it? About 1,200 square foot. <clears throat> okay. Uh, if there's no rotten wood under the foundation, you're probably looking at something two to 4,000 for the foundation. Uh, and more than likely... Yeah, somewhere in that range. Uh, a roof, you're probably going to be looking at something in the eight to ten thousand range, and I could be off a little bit on that, but that's probably pretty close. Porches and decks, it really just depends on what you got to do. Uh, if I was budgeting, how big a porches and decks are we talking? Oh, I figure one's going to be about 
10 foot by 60 foot if I make it as big as I really want it all down the side. Okay. And the other one's probably going to be uh, 10 foot by 10 foot. Okay. And you're going to build these out of out of wood, right? Not concrete. That that was uh, with the way the ground around here moves and yep. the drainage and all that. I figured I'd just do wood. Okay. Uh, I would probably budget something in the neighborhood on decks that size. Oh, probably another eight to ten thousand. Oh, okay. So well, that gives me a place to get started. So. Dig in your pocket, pull out about thirty grand, and 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 get her all done. Might have to check underneath my couch cushions, but I think I'll, <laughs> I'll be able to do that. Okay. All right, well, I appreciate sir, your help, sir. You bet. You take care. Have a good one. Her subject is carpet. I'm disappointed in quotes for replacement carpet. I've gone to Lowe's and Nebraska Furniture. Now this is out of the Dallas area. Uh Okay, Nebraska Furniture Mart for quotes for new carpet. And has the prices gone up that much? For 2 to $4 a square foot carpet, 2,000 foot, they are quoting eight to $10,000. Is that the going price? What suggestions can you give me to get the price way down? Any help is appreciated. Well, Marie, you just have to pick a different carpet. You know, here's the thing. Whether you buy a cheap carpet or a high-priced carpet, the installation cost is going to be the same. Your only variable is going to be the cost of the carpet itself. And to answer your question, has prices gone up that much? It has. As we keep increasing payrolls, minimum wage, for instance, you know, Minimum wage is seven twenty-five, but everybody thinks they should be making fifteen an hour now. That increases the cost of everything, because if you take people who are making seven twenty-five to to manufacture that carpet, you have in essence doubled the cost of manufacturing that carpet. Same thing with the installation, and I'm not saying people who are manufacturing carpet were making minimum wage. I'm simply using this as an example. Everything we raise, the cost of labor-wise, raises the cost that you're going to pay in the end. So whether our minimum wage is $1 or $15, your buying power is basically going to be the same. Because as the wages go up, so does the cost of everything. Uh, in fact, in a lot of cases, your buying power goes down. So the only thing I could tell you is take a look and see if you can find a cheaper carpet that you like but be be aware a cheaper carpet won't last as long and you'll probably be faced with paying the labor to install another carpet later if you get a good carpet you should get at least 15 years out of it when you get a cheap carpet you get five and have to replace it again and get to pay that same labor rate to replace it a second time. So that's the reason I typically prefer to get a good high-end flooring that I pay to put in once and I'm done with it. What is the name of the synthetic felt versus the asphalt impregnated standard felt? Well, it, it, 
you already have it. You're just looking for a synthetic felt. And if you're having a new roof put on and a roofer offers you the synthetic felt over the standard asphalt felt, take it. Yes, it is much thinner, but the durability of it is extremely well. It doesn't break down like the asphalt felt does. Uh, you know, if you're doing a roof over, they used to use a 30-pound felt. We don't really do the roof overs anymore. Uh, we have learned that when you put shingles on top of shingles, you are more likely to have problems and shorten the life of the roof. And so typically that's just not done anymore. I'm not saying it's not done, but typically it's not done. But yes, I love the, the new synthetic felt. The first time I went and saw one was on a job of Guardian Roof Systems, and they showed me how it worked and uh, you know how much more durable it was. I love it. It's a great product, and I would highly recommend you take a look at it if, if you're looking at getting a new roof. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. David, you'll be the last call of the day. How can I help you? Yeah, I've got uh, some concrete that has a low spot. And I was wondering if there is a product that I can use that will level out concrete, um, that will float it back out and without having to actually, you know, make it look ugly. <laughs> oh, you want a lot. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> there are. These come up about a half inch in a corner. Okay. Yeah, they do actually make products that will level it out that way. They're going to stick out like a sore thumb. Ah. Because the texture is going to be different. The color is going to be different. Uh, the only thing it's going to do for you is get it where you're not po pocketing water. Uh, so typically what I recommend in those situations, if you've got just one low area like that, if you can get away with it, a simple saw cut across the concrete puts a drain channel where you can let the water just run off and it typically will take care of the problem okay okay so if i was actually to level it where it is is not that it's not actually going to be able to do that i'm going to have okay. to level it somehow yeah so i guess i have to come back and tile over it or something yeah, you'd want to put something over it because it, it it or skim coat the entire surface. I mean, if you can do that, then then the color won't matter in the in the texture. But yeah, if you do but just an true, isolated yeah. spot, uh, it, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb. So, uh, Quickcrete, take a look at Quickcrete. They actually make a coating to go over concrete that way uh, to dress it up and and make it look good. And uh, I think that that product would uh, probably suit. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.